that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Doug Maurice and Stephen Means. It's Market Down Monday. We're running out of these, actually. We're down to just a couple more Mondays before Ohio State opens the season September 2nd at Minnesota. This is kind of – I feel some urgency whenever we get to the end of our list of, like, what do we have left that we have to mark it down before this season gets started, before we have to finally pick, like, national champion and playoffs and Heisman. That's coming up, I think, in the next couple of weeks. And this week we wanted to put down our predictions of some of the big stack categories for Ohio State football in 2021. We're not doing passing. We're going to wait until Ohio State actually names a quarterback and decide how we want to. We're going to have a longer breakdown of how we think the passing game is going to unfold. We are not doing receiver. We kind of already picked, I think. We did a, a, a pod where we picked between Olave and Wilson some things. And we're going to get more into, get like I said, the whole passing game at a later podcast down the line. And we're not doing interceptions this year because it, it's a little bit fickle. But we're doing tackles. Who's going to lead Ohio State in tackles this year? Who's going to lead Ohio State in sacks this year? And who will lead Ohio State in rushing yards this year? Asked all of our texters to participate. We got a good response. 614-350-3315 if you want to get in on future polls if you want to just know the news that we're sending out every morning when we go see Ohio State practice and do those interviews. But I'm curious for you guys, Doug and Steven, obviously we are still in a place, we're recording this on Friday before Ohio State has its scrimmage on Saturday where it's going to kind of help figure out the pecking order of some of these positions. There's still a lot of positions that are, I don't know if you want to say up in the air, but not officially decided. We haven't seen them like officially cement who's going to be playing some things. Did you guys still have a fairly easy time picking who you thought would lead these categories? I wouldn't say that there's any defensive position that's really up in the air other than the one that I think might be where the guy who leads the team in tackles is going to play. <laughs> right. So, and maybe even that's not maybe really up, up in the air. Maybe, maybe that's over too. So, I mean, what's up in the air? Besides Cody Simon, Dallas Gantt. Yeah, he, I thought two of these are pretty easy, honestly. I, like, I don't even know. Like, what, like, it would be a surprise if the starting corners aren't Seven Branks and Cam Brown, and we imagine that there's going to be some kind of rotation at cover safety slot corner. It would be a surprise if it's not Josh Proctor. It would be a surprise if it's not Taraji Mitchell. It would be a surprise if it's not Haskell Garrett, Teron Vincent, and Tyreek Smith, and Zach Harrison getting a lot of snaps in there. So I feel like we do have a good handle on it, but I don't think I have a handle necessarily on like who the best guys are going to be. You know right. what I mean? So like I do, Cody Simon is the wild card for tackles. Cody Simon for the whole defense. Cody Simon is the wild card. Cause like, Oh, what if he's just like going to be an all American next year? And this is his pre all American season. And then like, he's going to be great. That could happen, but we don't have much proof of that. But that's why the tackles thing is hard because of that uncertainty at one spot. We, we, yeah, I think that is a better way to say it probably that this, there was a lot of transition, um, a lot of turnover at, at, especially at linebacker, obviously, and we'll see about what happens in the secondary, but that is a better way to say it. I think we know, we know who people are. We just don't know how good they are. Uh, we're going to start with tackles. I, one of the responses that we got on, uh, I, I listed seven players. And then I listed an other. 
And one of the responses to other, I thought kind of helps frame this discussion, which is, I knew we lost all LBs and everything, but this question just made me step back and go, whoa. The, the people that I listed were Dallas Gantt, Ronnie Hickman, Josh Proctor, Taraja Mitchell, Lathan Ransom, Cody Simon, and Craig Young. Those are the seven people that I listed as potentially leading Ohio State in tackles this season. I actually made one mistake. I should have included Paulier Neatote. We don't know exactly yet what his, as of the moment that we're recording this, what his status will be this season, but he probably should have been thrown in there, and he did get a couple of other others uh, uh, voting for him. But you guys kind of get what maybe that texter is saying, that when you look at that list, it, more than – I don't remember when the last time there would have been this many sort of unproven candidates to lead Ohio state in tackles going into a season. There are no famous guys on that list. Yeah. Like if you yeah. read that list to anybody who's not an Ohio state fan, they would be like, I literally have never heard of any of these players. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a team that's going to be like a top four, top five team when the AP poll comes out on Monday. And a team that like, again, like, might win the national title. But, and has had Ryan Chazier and has had Chase Young right. and has had – like often does have very famous defensive players. And, and, I mean, if you said to like an Alabama fan, it's like, do you know who Taraja Mitchell is? They would be like, they have no idea. Just like we don't know who Alabama – like Alabama a lot of lost a lot of defensive guys. Georgia mm -hmm. has a lot of new defensive guys this year. So that's not all right. that unusual. But it's hard to zero in. Like the guys up front – are a little more famous, but like defensive tackles don't lead teams in tackles. So you can't pick Haskell Garrett, right? So <laughs> you can't pick the returning All-Americans. So yeah, it makes it hard. I was looking back uh, through the past several years. Um, in 2016, Jerome Baker finished second to Raekwon McMillan in tackles and then led the team in 2017. Jordan Fuller finished second to him and then led the team in 2018. Um, Malik Harrison finished second to Fuller and then led the team in 2019. Pete Werner finished second in 2019 and then led the team in 2020. And I was trying to go back. My uh, internet is not cooperating with me to see. I know that last year Werner led the team. Tough Borland finished second. I'm trying to – was trying to find out I, the highest – Yeah, The highest the returner highest. is Marcus Williamson. Yeah. And he finished what on last year's team? He finished sixth. So it was Werner 54, Borland 48, Wade 35, Hilliard 33, Browning 30, Williamson 27. I think that's a little bit what that texture was getting at, that it just it hits you in the face uh, just how inexperienced this team is. But I think it, it also, when I was doing this, Doug, it made me think about, like, we know very little about how, especially this linebacker group, we know very little about how they play. Like, Pete Warner would have been a natural guy to expect to lead this team in tackles last season because of how he played, because we had seen a glimpse of it before his kind of ability to maybe go sideline, sideline, even though he was switching positions. We certainly had seen that from Malik Harrison. You uh, Jordan Fuller was an interesting case being the, the free safety and uh, a, a deep safety on a, especially in 2018 on a defense. that wasn't that good. Just, he actually, and he and Harrison actually shared the lead in tackles that year. Mm. But you, you were kind of seeing – you knew more about how these guys played and could make a prediction, oh, I think – I don't care what position Pete Werner plays. I think he's going to lead this team in tackles because he knows how to go chase guys down. And I don't have that feel necessarily this year. I'm more having to pick it based just off of usage. Well, one in doubt, you pick the Will linebacker. 
Yeah. Right. That's that's how it usually works. And defenses sort of decide where they kind of want to funnel plays and who's supposed to lead the team in tackles. And I think sometimes it's the will, sometimes it's the mic. I don't know that you really ever want your safety leading a team in tackles. I mean, even in a passing world, that seems not ideal. No. So Josh Proctor is a candidate, just like Jordan Fuller did it. Like if that happens, I'm not sure that, you know, Kerry Combs would be super excited about that. I, if I guess your safety is leading your team in tackles, that means the 10 guys in front of them aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, it could also be that you're getting out to big leads and teams are throwing the ball all over the place and your safety's making a bunch of tackles, you know, eight yards downfield yeah. on third and 14. But yeah, I agree. Generally, I would agree with that, Stephen, that it feels like a bunch of guys missed tackles before the football <laughs> got mm-hmm. to the safety. Yeah. So uh, when in doubt, pick the will. So, I mean, you, you, you listed like a lot of Will linebackers there, right? And I know Pete was like, when he was playing strong side, was like second on the tackles that year and then last year led it. But I will tell you, and looking at the numbers from last year, it's a reminder. So Pete Werner had 54 tackles. And according to the 11 Warriors snap count, he played 494 snaps. And Tough Borland was second with 48 tackles. And he only played 343 snaps. So he only had six fewer tackles than Pete Warner and 150 fewer snaps. So that leads me back towards middle linebacker a little bit. We don't know. Now, listen, we think they're going to play like two true linebackers and a bullet a lot in base. But we don't know like what their third down defense is going to look like, what linebackers are going to be on the field. They've done that in the past where, you know, Tough Borland was on the field on first and second down and wasn't on the field on third down. I don't know. Really, I don't have any handle on, like, who the best cover linebackers are between, like, Taraja Mitchell and Dallas Gant and Cody Simon and Kayvon Pope. If you told me that Cody Simon and Taraja Mitchell are the first and second down linebackers and Kayvon Pope and Dallas Gant are, like, the nickel linebackers on third and long, I don't know. That could be right. But to your point, like, Nathan, we don't know how they're going to use these guys, and I don't have a great handle on, like, what they do best. So it's hard. Well, and I think, Steve, I'll let you go, but I think to, to follow up on what you're saying, Pete Werner also in 2019 when he was second on this team in tackles, it, it, when he was playing Sam linebacker, that wasn't his only job. When they went to – in third down scenarios, he was often staying on the field as the yes. middle linebacker. So it, that's the other thing that I don't know that we have a great grasp on yet is just in personnel packages, right? And, Steve, I don't know what you are about to say, but, like, I don't know that I – from what I've seen out there – that I have a great handle. I know who I think is probably going to line up for the first snap. I don't know who I think is going to line up for sure for the first third down snap. And that becomes a factor if you're trying to predict who might lead this team in tackles. If I had to project it, because that's part of what we do here, based off what I saw that day when I did get to see a front seven look when they went three linebackers and did some other stuff, it's, it leads me back to why you have to maybe go with the Will Linebacker in this situation because Will Linebacker seems to be the only spot where the Will Linebacker and single high safety are the only spots on this team where I feel like if a defense plays 67 snaps in a game of starting defense, the Will Linebacker and the single high safety are only two spots where you're going to probably play 64 to, to all every single one of those um, meaningful snaps in that game. Because to the point of what we're talking about, Cody Simon and Dallas Gant, it could be a tough boil in Baron Browning situation where one of those two guys is the Mike linebacker on the first two downs and then the other one comes in on passing downs. While Kayvon Pope, he's clearly the smaller linebacker in that room right now, and so he's kind of pigeonholed 
in the probably playing Sam linebacker in the way that the other ones aren't. I included a couple of bullets on the list of candidates. I included Craig Young. I included Ronnie Hickman. We had some indications early in camp, the way they were lining up, Stephen, as you said, like on the first day that we saw him and we got to see some base defense. It looked like Hickman was the first guy through there. I, I don't think I would pick a bullet to lead Ohio State in tackles this year. I am one partially because I think we or we think it could be like a a, a multiple situation that it could be more than one guy used there. It could be a more situational position. I do wonder if Ohio State, to go back to what we were saying before about a safety leading this team in tackles, if that safety was a bullet, I think Ohio State would kind of maybe be comfortable with that long term. If they found a person that was such a good example of that position that they couldn't take them off the field the way they often can't take a will linebacker off the field. I'm kind of curious how that develops. Well, now. That's what I, they I don't did. think it's 2021, right? That's what Pete Werner was in 2018. Right. Yeah. He, yeah. They didn't have a bullet because he was the bullet and the linebacker and he was mm-hmm. everything. So he didn't come off the field and then he was second on the team in tackles, right? Or whatever. I mean, or, 2019, he was yeah. up there. He was up yeah, there. He was, he was, so, so we know, we know what that looks like. Yeah. If you get into that spot, you know, a lot of times, I mean, sometimes that's harder. Like you wind up, you're like locked in, uh, locked up with the tight end out there. And if they like don't throw the ball to the tight end much, and that's what your responsibility is, maybe you're not running and chasing as much as some other linebackers. Um, so I think maybe schematically, I mean, you know, let's get, let's get to the year where like court Williams is on the field every down as a, whatever he is right as a bullet or whatever. And people will probably be picking court Williams in a poll like this. Could court Williams be Ohio state's leading tackler at some point? Yes, I think he could be. But um, it's hard. It depends on the opponent, too. I mean, like, if they run, you know, Tough Borland caught a lot of running backs. If they're playing, like, someone's going to catch Mo Ibrahim eight times against mm-hmm. Minnesota. So if that's Cody Simon in the middle and he, makes, he gets seven tackles just by catching a running back three yards downfield, that pads your tackle stats. Not pads them. It's not like it's not a real tackle. So, right. you know, it depends how much you have to run and chase. Sometimes you don't have to chase. Sometimes the guy runs right into you. So – I'm trying to think of teams that like are who are who are going to do that, and, and and I don't know how many teams will do that to Ohio State like after Minnesota. So, uh, so it's a hard one, but I think both as we see the second year of the Kerry Combs defense, which in a lot of ways is going to be the first year of the Kerry Combs defense, mm-hmm. that that schematic idea of it is as difficult to get a handle on right now for this discussion as is the fact that the seven guys on your list haven't really done much on a field. What's the thing that we're most want curious about schematically as this team gets ready for 2021? Because I think you're right. Like last year we didn't get to see partially because, well, completely because of the pandemic that threw everything off. It threw everything off personnel wise. I think that affected how Kerry Combs could call a game. Now you've also switched up the way that this uh, coaching staff is structured a little bit. I think that could maybe change things schematically. So what's like the thing that maybe you're still waiting this, we're still waiting to see the most. Steven, like as the season's about to get started from a defensive standpoint? It's, I mean, it's the bullet, and then it's how does this cover safety situation work out? Who's actually playing it, and how often do we see it in comparison to a slot corner, or, or are we just using the same terminology there? But really, it's the bullet. What, what does it turn into, depending on who's on the field between Ronnie Hickman and, and Craig Young? There's a lot of stuff. Again, like with the, there's just guys who are different body types at different positions. That cover safety, that cover safety is up at the line of scrimmage, and then they're playing a lot of 
zone looks off of that. And maybe he's not chasing the slot receiver all over the field. And he's really responsible for run help and is up kind of in the box involved in a lot of stuff. Like Lathan Ransom could make a lot of tackles if, if being that guy in the slot is not just chasing a little slot receiver all over the field. So that I'm curious about. And I'm curious, like, again, does the bullet really look like a different position? How much are they sort of like running around the field making plays? How much are they blitzing certain guys out of certain looks? There, there's a lot I want to get a handle on, like, schematically. Like, are they do they rotate stuff back? Do they rotate back to a two-safety look sometimes or, or rotate a safety up and a safety back depending on motion? You know, there's just a yep. couple different things that we don't have a – handle on that's going to directly affect like who's in the mix on a play right that like who's sort of at kind of out in space maybe doing their job but isn't right around the ball and who's constantly around the ball and that is both schematic and based on the individual talents of the players and again I, I i'm you know i'm i like comparisons possible 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 again i remember it very vividly i'm an old person 2005, James Laurinaitis. Laurinaitis is the backup. Sam linebacker, Bobby Carpenter gets hurt. He comes in. He plays the Michigan game at the Sam. And then he's a sophomore in 2006. And we're kind of trying to figure out who the middle linebacker is going to be because they lost all three guys. Anthony Schlegel had been the middle, middle linebacker. A.J. Hawk had been the weak side and Bobby Carpenter the strong side. And we thought Laurinaitis was going to play outside. And we were trying to figure out, like, who the middle linebacker is. We thought it was going to be John Kerr or something because he'd been around. And then, like, we showed up one day in preseason practices, like, oh, James Laurinaitis is the middle linebacker. And we're like, oh, okay. And then James Laurinaitis was the middle linebacker every snap for three years. And so I'm kind of on alert for, like, oh, we don't really know. What's up with Cody Simon, Dallas Gano? Oh, 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 Cody Simon's the middle linebacker for the next three years? Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Like that's, And if yeah. that's out there, Cody Simon's going to lead this team in tackles this year and next year. You know, like that's that we may look back on. This is why we do these discussions. So we can look back on them and see how silly we sounded in the moment. Oh, I wonder who's going to look. Cody Simon had 111 tackles this year. Nobody else on the team had more than 70. I can't believe you guys ever doubted who was going to lead the team in tackles. That's out there. I don't know. But like right now, can we bank on that? You can't bank on that. But we may look back on Cody Simon's career and be like, man, I can't believe we ever doubted what that guy was going to be. Yeah, I'm really curious how they line up some things. I have some of the same. Um, curiosities that you do, Doug, about how much they use a you know, pull that cover safety back to be a second safety. They were doing it at times last year. I mostly want to see how guys line up in this first game because I think that'll finally be an indication of who they actually trust. You know, preseason camp and go back to the spring too. It, there's a lot of any name you bring up, like, oh yeah, he's he's fighting, he's working hard, he's doing good things. It's not that they're lying to us. It's that it's just that's the way things go, and they're not going to get out there and just like rip somebody in front of us usually. So, I but the proof is in the pudding. The proof is when you actually see them get out on the field and and who they're actually giving snaps to, and that's still the thing that I I, I want to get some clarity about and I don't think it the clarity is actually there until we see a full game unfold and see how much did Lathan Ransom play compared to Marcus Williamson how much did Ronnie Hickman play did Ronnie Hickman ever slide back and be a second safety like he was last year does Lathan Ransom do that does Marcus Williamson do that like there's just a lot of questions that I have that I think I'm just excited to see usage as the actual answer to some of these questions as opposed to what what the coaches say 
Um, so let's go ahead and mark it down. Let's mark down who is going to lead in tackles because I think the texter responses will maybe lead us to a, an interesting discussion. But uh, I'm picking Taraja Mitchell mostly because I think he's going to be the will linebacker and I don't think he's ever going to leave the field. I don't know who would supplant him. He seems like the guy that is just the most natural to take that um, that Malik Harrison, Pete Werner role to where even on third down situations, you're still on the field. You're this like linchpin in the defense. Also, uh, I got to see his arms up close yesterday and he looks like he has leading tackler arms. Mm. I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying Taraja Mitchell's arms are the new Pete Werner neck. I'm not saying that. I'll I'm say saying, I'm saying his arms. Oh, oh, you will. Oh, you'll say it. I'm yeah, saying his I'll arms are it. impressive. I'm going to say it. B. Pythons. Careful. Here's the deal. Don't, like, I, don't know what, don't, I don't want people coming on this podcast and just rolling around body parts and acting like <laughs> everything can be the neck. I think you have to rise up to the standard of the neck. I have reverence reverence for the neck. Thank you for respecting that. All due respect to the neck. Respect the neck. I'll say, yeah, I think we are in the process of building the perfect Ohio State linebacker by using different people's body parts. Um, You can literally just take anybody's hair from the 2005 group. I don't care which one you pick. Just take their hair and maybe you mix and match. Take one strand from each person. I want Pete Warner's neck. I want Taraja Mitchell's arms. I want Cody Simon's legs because they look like tree trunks. It looks like he can squat 1,000 pounds. Just be, for, and that's his warm-up set. I mean, no offense. If we're building the perfect Ohio State linebacker, we're not using anybody from the last five years. So <laughs> I'm saying body parts. I'm not talking about talent well, level. We're not talking, I mean, I, it's, it's – <laughs> I'll start piecing together Chris Spielman and Ryan Chazier and I'll destroy your, your Cody Simon legs to Roger Mitchell biceps. Um, all right. Let's, 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 so here's the thing. I, I'm trying to think like T shoe who we have to get back on the pod. I'm trying, I would imagine the odds on leading tackler, maybe that Taraja Mitchell is such a favorite. He might be like two to one. Right. And yeah. then I could see Cody Simon being something like seven to two or something like that. So I think you have to, Take Taraja Mitchell if you're just trying to get it right. But if I got any kind of decent odds where Cody Simon was, you know, four to one, three to one, three and a half to one compared to Tar- – I would maybe take the Cody Simon money. And I'd try to think, like, I think you have a chance to hit that. But I, Taraja Mitchell is, like, the odds-on favorite. And, again, part of what I just said, it's like, listen, Tough Borland, only six fewer tackles, 150 fewer snaps. If Cody Simon is on the field – 75% of the time at middle linebacker or whatever. Like if he's on the field, 75% of the snaps, it might be him because he just might be catching running backs. So, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or do we I, know he's going to be, I feel like, as you said, I think Taraji Mitchell is probably going to be on the field 80% of the time until we have a reason to not to think that. Will Cody Simon do that also? I don't know. So I have to take Taraji Mitchell, but I'd be curious what Cody's odds are. I'm definitely using my little speedboat to buzz Cody Simon Island and, and wave it at Steven while I go by. I'm becoming it more is, impressed with it's him. It's a private island. It is a private island. Steven was building condos on that. Like he, he like just came up in a canoe and was like, this is a nice island. Started building condos immediately. We're like, hey, can we come to your island? He's like, it's like $2 million to live here now. Sorry. He's making bank off this. So I, I, it's, it's, he, he, he was good to stake that out early, but it, it comes down to me. It comes down to what you just said, that I think it may just be a usage thing. Taraja Mitchell may never leave the field. 
And I think I'm, I'm one of the things, the usage things that I'm curious to see is does Cody Simon stay out there in like a nickel situation, a third, first of all, I guess, does he completely own that position or is Dallas get involved? But then does he own that position on those later downs, those late passing downs as well? Or do you take something like Craig Young and slide him over? Is there someone else that would be involved in that? That would be the Mike in a, a true passing down situation. I don't know that yet. It's, I don't have a great grasp on that. I wish we got to go watch tomorrow, uh, Saturday, when they were having this scrimmage. But uh, we'll find out, I guess, closer to September 2nd. I also think Josh Proctor's not impossible, right? I mean, the idea that, like, uh, yes. Josh Proctor is just involved, that it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, he's in the back. Did something go wrong? It's like, well, nothing, maybe it doesn't have to go wrong for Josh Proctor to make a tackle because that guy is a missile. And he's got it all figured out. It just took him maybe – it took him maybe a season longer than maybe we thought based on his recruiting ranking to sort of figure it out and like really be a dude, but he's an official dude for him now. And that he's everything that, that Jordan Fuller was, but even more talented. That's there too. I don't know. Maybe. And I, I think the secondary for what we know right now might set itself up for it to be a 2018 situation where, as I said already, if your secondary is not that good, your safety's probably making a lot of tackles. And since he's going to be the only consistent safety out there if you wanted to make that argument of I don't know if I'm completely confident that Seven Banks and Cam Brown and Ryan Watts even if they are rotating aren't going to give up some 25 yard passes every so often and all of a sudden Josh Proctor starts racking them up combined with he's going to be there in the run game well I actually think that as far as like amassing tackles it's bad linebackers that leads to safety tackles more that's what happened in 2018 when Jordan Fuller had 81 tackles and co-led the team. It was because the linebacker group wasn't quite good enough. Definitely wasn't good enough. I, the Proctor thing, it's one of my favorite like storylines of the preseason. We're going to get to talk to him this coming week. It's like he flashed so many things when all he had to do was go out and be a good football player. On the, You know what I mean? Like he was, it was late in games. He could just kind of let it loose. And when he has to be a good free safety, like very specific duty – that's like the bridge he hasn't crossed yet. And I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch early in the season. Like, does he cross that bridge and like set up his own like little fort? And so like, still wa- good. No, just like still wondering if he's playing the wrong position <laughs> that like, are right, we but I mean, sure they wouldn't be better off with Josh Proctor? Josh Proctor's a cover safety and Lathan Ransom as the deep safety. Yeah. Like, are we sure? But that's not clearly not what they're doing. And they're the right. coaches. I guess they know better than us. They do. They do. Right. And I, again, that's, it's, it's the, the proof will be in the pudding. The proof will be in the pudding with T's like as to who they put on the field. That will, be, that will tell us how they actually think. <laughs> you can Come keep on. that. You can keep that one. That's your no. headline. You can keep that. You know what? That came to, I came into my head and I was like, should I say it? And, uh, I went ahead and took a shot and, uh, you, you don't – nobody has a 1,000% completion percentage. Not even Justin Fields had a 100% completion percentage. But you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, I've been told. Can yeah, I, but that throw was like Justin Fields against Indiana. Second half. Can I also – can I just uh, – I'll throw this out there for a discussion point. Possible, possible, putting better than ice cream. Possible. Oh, no, we're not even. So that's this, like throwing – that's Justin Fields against Northwestern. That's, that's just pudding is so good. Pudding is I so like, good. awful. I like pudding. I think pudding is underrated. I don't think it's anywhere near ice cream. No. Just because you don't make it in your kitchen with your wife <laughs> doesn't mean if I had never made my own ice cream, I would still think ice cream is superior to pudding. It's because everybody puts stuff. 
if it, pudding does not get the benefit of all the stuff that people put in ice cream, if you're talking about chocolate pudding, chocolate ice cream, I'll take chocolate pudding every time. If you're talking like vanilla pudding, vanilla ice cream now, but then you, you razzle dazzle it up. You know why you need to razzle dazzle ice cream up? Because it's not as good as pudding when it's just plain. Oh, I think it is more What's able up? to be, it's more, it's more able to be razzle dazzle. That's one of the reasons why it's better. I could put Snickers in pudding if I wanted to, but I don't need to. No, you so can't. It'd be like too delicious. rich and it would become, it would be overwhelming. It would be too much. You'd be a sugar saturation. I love pudding. Oh, I, I like pudding it. too. I'm a tapioca fan. Anybody, any other tapioca fans? We just get older. And with every snack y'all name, we get older and older with snacks. So anyway, as to, to mark down who I think is going to <laughs> Milkshakes lead versus this team Metamucil. in <laughs> What are we doing here? Tapioca? So to mark down who I think, I, I'm going to go with Cody Simon. And I think, because I, I think there's something there. But yeah, you're right. Surprise. I mean, but I, th- I just think in, a, in the way you described the fact that Tough Boiling wasn't that far behind what mm. Pete Warner was in 2020, but their tough Borland, his lack of athleticism, he missed some stuff. So what if Cody Simon does everything tough Borland was doing, but then also he's a better athlete. So those things that tough Borland was missing, Cody Simon is able to get, and that's what puts him over the top of Taraji Mitchell, even if it is by four or five tackles. Fair point, fair counterpoint. What if Cody Simon's a better athlete, but doesn't have, four years of experience that tough Borland has that helped him make tackles that other guys can't. I don't care about the experience. There's been people who've come to a house. They would absolutely no experience. And as soon as they get on the field, they turn themselves into all big 10 and all American type players. That's not a concern for me. Middle, middle linebacker stuff does come to you sometimes. I mean, when Ryan Shazier got on the field, his first year, he was in the wrong gap all the time. Like he was constantly like overrunning plays. Cause he was, he was so good. He was like be faster than the play. And, like, they'd cut back on the run and it'd be like, where was Ryan Chase? He was like, oh, he probably should have been. And then he figured it out. And then he was unbelievable once he figured it out. So, but I do think uh, middle of the field at middle linebacker, I mean, you can get in the wrong gap. Clearly, you can get in the wrong gap and it's mm-hmm. out of the house. So, I think probably Tough Borland got in the right gap most of the time, to your point, Nathan. But I also think um, it's a spot where Cody Simon, by, like, October, would be experienced enough, I mm-hmm. think, right? That I, th- I think he can figure it out fairly quickly. But I, I, for all the, the criticism that we've levied at Tough Poland over the years, clearly the coaches trusted him and he did the right thing most of the time. And you don't end up second on a team in tackles, you know, unless you're doing the right thing. Because again, he wasn't making tackles with pure athleticism. So he made the tackles by doing the, being in the right place. So that's two votes from us for Mitchell and one for Simon. Who do you think our texters picked? I looked, Taraja. so I'm out, I'm out on all the votes. Oh, okay. I, I looked. Taraja. Taraja Mitchell, 55% of the vote, Taraja Mitchell. Cody Simon, about 21, 22% for him. So those, I mean, a clear favorite in Mitchell, as you were saying, Doug, but then also a clear second place. I mean, the, yeah. people are, uh, Stephen, I hope you built your walls securely because people are trying to flood onto Simon Island. Uh, they have then, high high insecurity on Simon Island. <laughs> and then I thought, interestingly, Josh Proctor got about 10% of the vote and finished third. Um, after that, it was pretty scattered around Dallas Gantt, uh, Craig Young, Lathan Ransom, Ronnie Hickman. Uh, there were a handful of other votes, and the person, like I said before, the one that I should have probably included, but it's a little bit complicated, is uh, Pallier de Atote. Al Washington was asked about him on Thursday. Is very enthusiastic about him. 
but says, you know, I, I hope it works out. So there's still just some uncertainty on Ohio State's standpoint as to how this is going to get resolved. Near as we can tell, I think the timing of this was a problem. He entered the transfer portal before the NCAA gave the clearance they were awarded this like blanket one-time transfer thing. And that complicated all of this, I believe somehow. There's also some gotten... academic stuff in there to it though. That's... We think so. And we haven't gotten a, a full answer on this. I'll be completely honest, but neither is Ohio state. Like they're still waiting on a resolution of this. And because of that, he has not even been working with the ones and twos because they don't want to, as Ryan day put it, those would be wasted reps. No, I don't think he needed to put him on there. Because let me ask you this. Say he's eligible tomorrow. Who does he play instead of? Right. But if he's eligible tomorrow, I still don't think he nudges anybody that we think is going to start now out of place. Now, is it possible that he's a better linebacker right now today as we're standing here than Cody Simon is? Very possible. Or Taraja Mitchell. I don't know. But I don't think Ohio State fully knows that yet either because they haven't been able to turn him loose. So I think it, I mean, you're right that I don't think it, would, it wouldn't change the starting lineup probably for September 2nd. But who do we? But who do you? Who do you think he replaces long term? If like, do you it, think there's a decent chance that he winds up being one of their two starting linebackers this year? What do you mean by decent chance? Do you think if he gets cleared, he, I don't know, has a better than ten percent, better than twenty percent chance if he's cleared to like be uh, a starter, or do you think that they would just like that Taraji? Like everybody's all wound up about them having enough options at linebacker and up to depth. And I, I do believe that they'll play guys, but it feels like if, if Simon's going to be Simon and Mitchell's been waiting for this and has done everything right, I, I don't necessarily – I'm not necessarily anticipating him shoving them aside, but maybe he no. becomes their third guy. I don't know. Yeah. Like I had a Dallas Gant or Kayvon Pope or whatever, but we don't think Dallas Gant and Kayvon Pope are going to lead him in tackles. So I, I don't know. I have no handle on it. But yeah. to me, if Simon – and Mitchell are the two starters, and then you have two good options at Bullet. Like, they're fine. Like, I think yeah. they're okay without him. I, I would, I guess the door I would leave open is it's along the lines of what you're saying is like, what if then he is, if he is that third guy, could he be the, could he be that guy I was talking about before that he's the middle linebacker on third downs or something like that? But I just, yeah. I honestly still don't know enough about his skill set to make a great prediction yeah. on things like that. Like, I, yeah. I yeah, if I'd have watched his film and maybe saw that maybe he was there. I don't even know if he was USC Sam Will or Mike linebacker. Obviously, I've been watching USC games. So if he was their Sam linebacker, then the answer to that question is, well, he just gives Ohio State the ability to put three linebackers on the field. Yeah, they I mean, already have that ability. They're not, they not already, playing. Right, they're already doing that. It's not like so. they're not playing three linebackers because they don't have enough guys. They could play K-Pope right. if they needed to. So, I mean, they're going to do what they're going to do. Uh, or, well, but now we're getting into, but he's a bullet. So could he play Latin? Right. It's like now yeah. we're in, now we're in that discussion yeah. again, which is among the terrible discussions we have here it might be my least favorite discussion. So, but like, I think they're okay. And I think he might mix in, but I guess my main point is, is like, I don't really think he's a candidate to be their leading tackler. So mm-hmm. I think it's fine that you didn't put him on there. You're probably right. I mean, but I don't know that, I don't know that like Lathan Ransom is a candidate to be the leading tackler either, but I put him on the list because I thought it was just interesting I mean, I could see I, – I, there's a Lathan yeah. Ransom path. I could see a lace, like a weird path where, like, they have five guys who are all basically have the same number of tackles. But as a cover safety who's important against the run, in zone looks where he's not, not just chasing the, the coverage. The time. He's like, I could see that. And if you – then they go to – they run in some two safety looks at times and he's rotating back against passing teams and he's involved. I, like, I have a path for that. I don't know what the path is for the guy who's not eligible yet and I'm not exactly sure, sure what his role would be even when he gets eligible. 
Yep, I see what you're saying. I, I, Lathan Ransom is really intriguing because kind of to go back to what you were saying before, if, if he can be a step back towards what Sean Wade brought to the slot in 2019, the ripple effects through this whole defense, I think, are really interesting. Because it was just fun to watch Sean Wade like, play against the run in 2019. And yeah. they would blitz Sean Wade, too. Yeah. That's, what's, that's what makes it. I mean, he had two sacks and really had three, but the, obviously the one ends up being a target. But yeah, they blitzed him a lot, and so he was in the backfield just as often as you know, a linebacker would be to that, so to, to some extent. And back in you know, 14 and 15, when they didn't have a third corner in the slot ever, like Von Bell came down and played cover safety a lot and kill you. I mean, Von, Von Bell kill you. He's an unbelievable player in everything, in coverage, in run support, great tackler. Right. So, I mean, like if you're telling me Lathan Ransom is like some version of like Von Bell slash Sean Wade. Yeah. I'm, that's impactful. And that guy might make a lot of tackles. I am not marking down that Lathan Ransom is the second coming of Von Bell and Sean Wade combined. I'm not marking that down. But yeah. It, it, it's again, it's more just like taking a step back in that direction of, of solidifying a, a part of this defense. We are going to come back from this break. We're going to mark down Ohio state's leader in sacks in 2021. You're listening to Buckeye talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk. We are marking down some of Ohio State's statistical leaders for the 2021 season. We just did tackles, and we were getting into sacks. Steven, do you remember who you predicted to lead Ohio State in sacks in 2020? I did. I did. I did. He plays for the Denver Broncos now, and he's going to finally be able to be a standing edge rusher. Baron Browning, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! And then they, then they changed him to Sam Linebacker here. It was all based off him being the Will Linebacker, not him being a, end up being the Sam Linebacker. I just wanted to bring that up. It really has nothing to do with the discussion we're going to have. But uh, another group where, at least here, um, as opposed to linebacker, a lot of these candidates are returning guys. Uh, the pe- people I put on the list, now that, that, that's not exclusive, exclusively true. There's some, some intriguing new names on here too. But the guys I put on the list, Jerron Cage, Haskell Garrett, Zach Harrison, Antoine Jackson, Tyreek Smith, Jack Sawyer, JT Tuomaloal, and Teron Vincent. And I left open the ever-popular other option. But there's, it, it, the, the contrast there is pretty stark. That at linebacker, we, we know who we think is probably fitting in the spots, but don't really know how well they play. And you can say that about some of the spots of secondary too. But I think we have a much better, a much more secure concept of what this front four is going to play like this year. We, we have some guys who we think that we may see more from them, and Ohio State probably needs to see more from them than we've seen in the last two years. But the foundation is there for – I think we can we can visualize what that's going to look like on September 2nd. Yeah, there's only three candidates, though. They're, if, they're, if they have a defensive tackle lead them in sacks, they're in trouble. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, that's yeah, like so, – so it's got to be an end, but they have, they have dudes. Like, we think they have some dudes. As you said, they're returning guys – but, I mean, it's, it's, it's really kind of crazy to look back last year and think that Jonathan Cooper led them in sacks with three and a half. Three and a half sacks in eight games, which, again, if you play a normal season, play a 14-game season, that's more like seven sacks, right? So then it doesn't sound so bad. So we have to keep that in mind. But, you know, with just what they've had at defensive end, um, they normally give their ends opportunities to tee off on guys, and they normally take advantage of it. So, but I think it's reasonable to expect – like I just, I think you throw out last year. So now, or or again, I'm in the, I'm very much in the mood of lately of like 
somebody is half this and half that. It's like, okay, well, is Zach Harrison like halfway between Jonathan Cooper and Chase Young, right? I don't know, because that's pretty good, right? Because like Chase Young is so high that to be like half, and Jonathan Cooper was very solid. So if you're like halfway between like one of the best defensive players in college football in the last 20 years and really solid and you're halfway between that, that's a really good season. So I, but I just think the production from a sack standpoint has to be and will be significantly better than a year ago. Yeah, Jonathan Cooper, with the way he played last year, kind of raised the floor on that analogy you're making there. There had been a steady climb in the sack leaders number over the past few years. Tyquan Lewis had eight in 2016. Nick Bosa eight and a half the next year. Uh, Chase Young ten and a half. Chase Young sixteen and a half. Now inevitably. That was going to drop. Nobody on last year's team, I don't care how many, like how many games that they've had to play for Jonathan Cooper to get 16 and a half sacks, like 40, like he wasn't going to get 16 and a half sacks. So that number was going to drop. And then as you said, Doug, actually Tommy Togiai finished second with three, but it was kind of a fluke, not a fluke, but like it was, they all came in one game and he was abusing that Penn State offensive line. And so that kind of puts a perspective on the chances of a tackle leading this team in sacks. When you see those numbers though, Steven, just what we know that it would be a stretch for anyone to get back to that like 16 and a half level. Do you have like some sort of concept right now as to where you think Ohio State needs to be from just a, a sack number, where its leader needs to be from a sack number in order to have the kind of impact slash uh, intimidation presence, however you want to put it, to, to be the kind of disruptor that they need? Eight to 10, I think, for the leader is. You know, because that's what that's a first team all Big Ten, maybe flirting with all American status. Eight to ten is where the leader should be. And I'm not going to rule out a defensive tackle doing it because for the last two years, well, last three years, actually, the defensive tackle has been second. And it was Draymond Jones, Davon Hamilton, and then obviously Tommy Togia last year. So I'm not going to rule out the Haskell Garrett, you know, part of this, but I just think eight to ten is where the leader should be. Anything else, anything north of that of eight to ten, where I mean, hey. More, more power to you, but you need to be at at least 8 to 10, whoever the best defensive end on this team ends up being, or leader in sacks ends up being. Yeah, I actually think it, maybe a better question to ask is, so in 2017, Bosa had 8.5, uh, Tyquan Lewis and uh, Sam Hubbard both had 7. In 2018, Chase Young had 10.5, and, and as you said, Draymond Jones had 8.5. Now, things get skewed in 2019. Young had 16.5. I think Davon Hamilton had like 6. Four, four and a half. It was a 6? Okay. That's a yeah, I, I didn't think it was quite that many high. But but that sort of so it's actually not how many the leader has. I almost wonder if like I almost wonder if the important number is how many sacks does the number two guy on this team have? That I think might be the the, the difference maker. Like does that second guy get up to like seven eight sacks, but he's still second on this team because the pass rush got to that level again this year where it's being that prolific in a in a consistent way. Well, you know, I think. You know, there is room for a guy to go nuts. So, but, but I, I do think like 2017 is a pretty decent example. Bosa eight and a half, Sam Hubbard seven, Taekwon Lewis seven, right? And then Jalen Holmes had a, had a few too. Like that's, that's the, had two. That's the rotation. If you tell, I think it's possible that Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison, and Jack Sawyer all have like between like seven or eight sacks. I, and, that, and that there's like a, a coin flip for who, who leads the team and that Jack Sawyer is doing it like in a Rushman package. Like there's a lot, I wish we knew more. Yeah. 
Who's inside and who's outside in the Rushman? I'm guessing that Jack yeah. Sawyer is going to be outside in the Rushman, and they're going to slide Tyreek or Zach inside. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll rotate I'd, that. But I'd usually you, you often – body type. Body type, and you often slide sometimes. You slide like a younger guy sometimes just because mm-hmm. he's more – I mean, excuse me. You slide the older guy who knows everything and I, let the younger mm-hmm. guy do his thing. So I think it's possible that, like, whatever. Jack Sawyer has – 50% the amount of snaps that Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison have, but has almost as many sacks because of situationally they're, they're putting him in situations. What do you want to let have Jack Sawyer do this year? You want to put so Jack Sawyer ball. in the game with opportunities to tee off on, on obvious passing downs and let him go. And so all he has to do is like destroy a tackle seven times this year and he has seven sacks like could that happen absolutely that could happen and then meanwhile zach harrison and tyreek smith are gonna be grinding every play being like oh my god whatever and it's like and maybe they'll get seven or eight too so i think that's possible i also think it's possible zach harrison has 11 so but what a real case for jack if you actually want to make it it's that but then also he's a freshman so when you get to some of these games in the middle of the season where you know Ohio State's going to win by three and four touchdowns, because he's a freshman, he's going to get these valuable snaps just for the sake of experience, and he's out there. And we saw in the spring game what happens when he's not going against starting caliber uh, um, tackles. I mean, he (laughs) tore everybody up for Ohio State. And we all can think that Ohio State's got 10 deep of guys who can probably start in other places. So what happens when now he's – out there in garbage time as a true freshman, just getting snaps for the sake of getting snaps, and he's going against Maryland's second team's t- tackle or Rutgers' tech second team tackle, you know? I mean, and then all of a sudden he's racking them up because he's just out there. And he ends up with 10 sacks where eight of them came in garbage time. I totally think possible. A, I think it's Literally. a really good point that you have to stop and consider that Jack Sawyer against the average um, – Big Ten is a good offensive lineman league. And I think Mm -hmm. Jack Sawyer against the average Big Ten starting left tackle or even right tackle is probably not – there's going to be times even where he's the maybe the guy who has something to prove there. But Jack Sawyer against the second-string offensive lineman for a lot of these Big Ten teams is probably one where he already has the advantage. And I think that could be an interesting thing to watch. What do we – what are we expecting right now from JT Tuomaloao? Like, what – he got here right before the start of the season. We've gotten to see him and just do drill work in practice. He certainly looks not like some uh, little guy that came in, obviously. I mean, he, he, he looks the part. He, he fills out the, the uniform well. We haven't really got to see any, like, real scrimmage stuff, though, like real pass rush, those sorts of things. And I don't know that we're getting any indication of that before the start of the season. But with Tyler Friday getting hurt, I think that probably does pull him up into a few more snaps sooner than he might have gotten them otherwise what are our expectations for him right now uh, he might not be ahead of Javon Jean Baptiste the first couple of weeks of the season just because I mean Javon looks great Javante yeah Javante Javante Jean Baptiste he looks pretty good out there he actually looks like a defensive end now and I think he's going to be in the rotation and when JTT just got here a month and a half ago you're not just going to throw him out there to the wolves immediately so the numbers might not look the same as we're expecting for Jack, but I think we get to the middle of the season with him and that's when you see it start to ramp up. So I would expect if I had to put a number of sacks for him, I'd say two to three or maybe four at most. Yeah. I think whatever the expectations are, they're like the cut below what they are for Sawyer, just based on how long he's been here. Um, Chase Young, 
as the fifth defensive end in 2017 as a freshman, three and a half. So, and Chase Young, again, I, I don't remember yeah. how much, how many snaps he was getting in the second half of blowouts, but like Chase Young was ready to tear up Big Ten second team yeah. tackles too. And, and it can still be, still be hard. So um, I will be, do you, like, I'm hopeful and I guess anticipating, like, is the Rushman package, JTT, Sawyer, Harrison, and Smith are those the four guys on the field? No, and now Haskell Garrett wants some of that money. Yeah, like, hey, I, I, Haskell I, I Garrett, Haskell do all in, the work, and then... I'd say Jack, Zach on the outside, and then Haskell and Tyreek on the inside. I bet you we will see those four ends together at least every now and then, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because why not? <laughs> Doug, I was thinking about 2017 as I was doing this because I, how much does what's unfolding this camp, the kind of the um, anticipation of this season and this edge rushing group remind you of that at all? I mean, Young was obviously a, a huge prospect, but also was farther down on that pecking order. This group has two guys at the top who we think are NFL edge rushers, that if, if Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith were on NFL rosters right now, they probably would not be overwhelmed but then when you've also got Sawyer and Tui Miloau and people just uh, sort of fantasizing about what those careers could turn into and you get both of those things on your roster at one time is it is it different than 2017 because the fact that there's two guys here and it's it's a different kind of uh, intersection 2017 was definitely more established you definitely I mean like mm-hmm. the Taekwon Lewis was like a big time Big 10 defensive end by that point. I mean, that guy had put up stats. That guy had won awards. Uh, He was the real deal. And that was Nick Bosa, like, ready to take on the world. And you had a sense of how good Nick Bosa was going to be, right? And that he was – he had a – because he'd been – like, there was more anticipation with Nick Bosa. I would say that, like – Tyquan Lewis is like more established than Tyreek Smith and Nick Bosa still had a little more juice than Zach Harrison. Right. And then Sam Hubbard yeah. was like a guy. It was like, man, that's like your third guy. And like Sam Hubbard's like a great athlete and you're not exactly sure what he's going to do. So uh, there was more certainty in 2017 than there is now. And, but it's interesting uh, there was enough certainty that you just knew like Chase Young was going to have a very hard time getting on the field. And he did. Whereas we see a, especially with the Friday injury, we see a clearer path for Jack Sawyer, especially. And then maybe also JTT. But yeah, that, that group in 2017 was still a cut above. I think what they are right. What this group is right now. So let's mark it down. I'll go first. And I am picking Zach Harrison to lead Ohio state and sacks in 2021. I'm 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 leaning into the hype, but also every you know this started in the spring. The, the coach is kind of jumping out in front and saying that they're seeing something new from him. You know, Ryan Day was saying it, and that's fine. But then I I think I've been almost more affected by talking to Zach Harrison. Um, we saw him at, at Big Ten Media Days and just kind of getting a different vibe from him than we've had before. Some of it is him opening up a little bit. I think that could actually be a positive thing for him, um, and it's certainly a positive thing for us. But I, not just facetiously, I think it could be a positive thing for him too if he's just if it, if he's loosening up a little bit and maybe not feeling the, the same pressure as before. 
and and just and playing with maybe a, a little bit of a new mindset. But uh, every time I see him too, like I'm I'm reminded just physically what kind of a monster this guy could be to the, the wrong offensive lineman. And uh, all due respect to Tyreek Smith, there just seems to be, and maybe it's because we're getting him more um, in our, you know, we're getting to actually interact with him more than we have Tyreek Smith. But Zach Harrison just seems to be a, a little bit of a different vibe at play here. Steven, you know, uh, you know, you were here before I was, so you, I think you have a better grasp of that. But are you seeing, before you give your pick, just are you seeing any kind of a different personality from Zach Harrison and, and what effect do you think that could have? Yeah, he actually talks to us now. It doesn't feel like he, he's looking at us like we're stupid. Even though, for the record, today it's Friday when we're recording this, and we talked to tight ends today. And because we're now on the indoor, you can see the players walking through. And Zach Harrison comes by, and he goes, so when's my day to do this? And Jerry goes, you guys are going Tuesday. And he goes, I'm skipping practice that day. So there's some of the personality. Yes, he still hates talking to us. But it's that. It's seeing him both not in pads, just walking around, but then also in pads on the field, the serious nature, the way people have talked about him, you kind of have to at this point buy into the hype a little bit with the idea that this guy might, it's finally clicking for a guy who was a top 10 player in the country who it took him a little longer, but he's finally there. And maybe it clicks in a way that he's the big 10 defensive lineman of the year this year. Yeah. He just certainly seems comfortable in his own skin, which I think impacts how you play. Steven, who are you marking down as Ohio State sack leader? Yeah, I'm going to mark down Zach Harrison. Uh, the, the Jack Sawyer thing is intriguing, um, but a lot has to go right for that to happen. That's assuming this defense is going to be in a way where the second team is going to be on the field the entire second half of three or four games this year, and I don't have trust in that, but I do have trust in that, the idea that Zach's ready to have a eight, nine, ten sack season. Yeah, I think if Jack Sawyer leads Ohio State in sacks with, like, five or whatever like that's good for jack sawyer getting his career started it's not good for ohio state though i don't think if they don't have a guy with more than five sacks they're not going to playoff nope that's real yeah i think you're probably right not in a 12 game schedule if you can only get four or five sacks in 12 games this this defense isn't good enough yeah, and I mean, I don't even know what would have to have gone wrong for that to happen almost um I, I can't really fathom it, but, but that's what I'm saying. I think if, if, Zach, if Jack Sawyer leads him in sacks, um, but has like eight or nine, then I think then the hype really ratchets up on him. But we saw that, right? I mean, we've seen the, you know, the, the Boses come in and have a pretty substantial freshman impact on their own, right, Doug? Oh, I mean, the hype's going to ratchet up regardless. I mean, he's next in line. So, like, the hype is coming. But, like, Joey Bosa tore it up as a freshman in 2013. Right. And by 2014, you knew exactly what he was going to do, and he was an All-American. And then in 2015, they double-teamed him, and his, his, his sack total went way down. But uh, I'll also take Zach. I'll take Zach. I think Zach will get double digits, like 10, maybe 11. But a world where, as I said, Jack Sawyer leads Ohio State because – Jack, Zach, and Tyreek all have seven or eight, I think is possible. And depending what the odds would be on Jack, I would bet on him. But I think Zach is the odds-on favorite. And, and I, I don't think Jack can get the double digits. So for Jack to lead them, it has to be something goes wrong or they're very good, but they're bunched. I think Zach or Tyreek can get the double digits. So I'll, I'll say Zach, and I would mark down, if I was picking it a full season, like a full – 14-game season, 15-game season, I think I'd go like 10 and a half. 
If Jack leads this team, it's because you just brought up no, Joey Bosa's freshman year, so I wanted to go look at it. <laughs> I didn't realize he had seven and a half sacks as a freshman year. It would have to look like that, though, where he has seven and a half, but he's tied with Noah Spence for the lead with seven and a half. Shazier had seven. Michael Bennett had seven. So there's four guys with six, seven sacks. That's the only way that – that's the best way that Jack leads this team in, in sacks because he's tied with somebody and everybody else is bunched in there with him. But that Jack isn't going to play nearly as much as Joey plays no. as a freshman. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, again, that's, that's what it, a lot of this comes down to is just pure usage. Uh, Zach Harrison was our texter's pick to lead Ohio State in sacks. Uh, a guess as to what percent of the vote he got? 65. I was going to say 57. 69%. So, again, the runaway winner. Uh, Tyreek Smith, second at 14%. And then Jack Sawyer, third, 9%. Haskell Garrett, 6%. And JT Tumalau, 2%. Uh, the only other that got mentioned, I didn't put Javante Jean-Baptiste on this list, but he did get a vote. Uh, I would be surprised, again, partially just because of usage. I mean, he's going to be no higher than third in that rotation for most of the season. But I also I, – I thought about putting him down – as my uh, defensive guy I was driving the bus for earlier this week, just because I've always been intrigued by him and what he could like turn into as an athlete coming in as one kind of athlete and Ohio State trying to like sort of craft him to be a, a better version of a defensive end. And does he ever really like fully get there? I don't know, but I, he, he has always kind of intrigued me. We will take another break there. Oh, were you about to say something? Doug? No, I was going to say good luck. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> no offense. I think that's, not a huge bus, but that's fine. It's a, it's a sometimes, minivan. Sometimes it's a minibus. It can't no, no, all. No, it, I it, like it can't all be. They can't all be the big luxury yeah. uh, buses. Sometimes it's like a rickety old school bus, and sometimes it's like just uh, the little bus that the the golf team takes to its matches or whatever. No, and that's not a shot at Javante Jean Baptiste, who was a good football player. It's just that a place like this, at some point, you you can't wait for guys anymore because more guys are coming, mm-hmm. and it's like guys are here. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's not like they've yeah. just been recruiting slouches uh, while waiting for him to for some kind of light bulb to go off. I think, yeah, the, 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 there's, they there's plenty got of guys. And, and he's gonna he, he's gonna play. He's gonna yeah, play this absolutely. year in that rotation, absolutely. But I think he'll be like fourth in defensive end snaps. And I just don't think that's a situation where he'll lead the team in sacks. Yeah, I would imagine he might even get the um, token New Jersey the the start at Rutgers. That seems he's to be a definitely thing that they gonna do. get the start at Rutgers. So, you know, no, you can mark that down probably right now. But, yeah, I, yeah, he'll be in the rotation. I just, yeah, to lead in sacks I think would be a stretch. We will take our last break there. We're going to come back and mark down Ohio State's leading rusher for 2021. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. All right, we are back marking it down this Monday. Who is going to lead Ohio State in rushing in 2021? In uh, Kyle McCord's video where he, uh, after having his black stripe removed, he said something about Tote Nation. I was not yeah, familiar with that term. Name. Have that's they always been called name. that? Mm-hmm. It's Tony Alford in the last three or four or five years, I would say. It, okay. It's running backs, Tote Nation, obviously Rushman. I don't know what the whole line one is. Uh, linebackers are H2. Um, which is something harder. I forget what it is. CJ told me. And then obviously we know zone six and BIA. Yeah. 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 I knew, I knew all of those, I think, except for, I just tote nation had like slipped through, I think partially because um, I don't know, people weren't really throwing it around that much last year. I don't know why. And then before it was sort of this, the JK Dobbins show. So you didn't need the whole 
Tote Nation. It was just sort he of a little state. He was just like the, the emperor of Tote Nation and he just went out and did it himself. But um, obviously the candidates that I put down to lead Ohio State in rushing in 2021, Marcus Crowley, Travion Henderson, Evan Pryor, Master Teague, Mayan Williams. I didn't list any of the quarterbacks. I want to – do we – are we – leave any crack open on the door that one of these quarterbacks leads Ohio State in rushing just because the running back room is they, – they splinter the carries so much in that group? Those days are over. I don't think we're ever going to – I don't think we're ever going to see a quarterback lead this team in rushing again. And leading in, like, rushing touchdowns is very different than leading in rushing yards. Yeah, we're talking about yards. That's not happening. I mean, Justin Fields is a great runner, and they didn't run him that much last year. So if you're not going to run Justin Fields, I don't know. Although I don't – this is just a podcast about the things Doug doesn't know. I don't know how much they might run the quarterback because, yes, he's not going to be their leading rusher. But you know what helps a quarterback, a young quarterback? Sometimes it takes a little pressure off, a couple of little easy keeps in the zone read, right, when everyone's – you know, attacking the running back, get, get, take a hit, right. Get into the game a little bit. I'm not advocating. No, Brian Day doesn't want his quarterback taking shots, but I mean, like that can be helpful so that everything is not on you throwing a perfectly accurate pass 12 yards downfield. And these are good athletes, right? I mean, CJ Stroud and Kyle McCord are good athletes. They can move. Jack Miller can move. Like I don't, but I don't, I don't know if I think they're going to average, if the starting quarterback's going to average, eight carries and 40 yards per game or like four carries and 11 yards per game. Or like, could they, could a quarterback throw in a 71 yard rushing game when you need it, where you pop one and you get a couple first downs. I I don't know. I don't have a sense of it. I would, I would hear an argument that they might be second in attempts just because obviously how it's calculated in college sacks matter, but then also you scramble sometimes Justin was second in 2019 behind J.K. Dobbins, but the yard differential between he and whoever is third might be 200, 300 yards. The third person in line has a lot more yards, even if the quarterback has more carries. And that just might be the that just might be every year going forward for Ohio State when they've got established running backs. That is the important thing to remember is that every time they get sacked, that's yards that they lose. And yeah. uh, even though we don't think with this offensive line, whichever offensive line they eventually use, that they're probably going to necessarily get sacked a lot. Uh, who knows? Um, I don't think there's any real case that the quarterback could lead Ohio State in rushing. I do think there's an interesting discussion to be had, though, of how much we think this is going to be a multiple person, a, a, a committee, however you want to say it. Like, how, how do we think this is three people that get a decently proportional number of carries this season? Do we think one guy takes away and runs with it eventually like J.K. Dobbins did? Like before we – I guess before we talk about specific names, how do you – are as you guys are getting – you know, we're a couple of weeks away from the start of the season. Are you thinking this is going to be like a three-headed monster or a, a combination? Or do you think that there's one guy that emerges from this and just becomes the lead back? I think <sighs> – they keep saying three. I think I don't think it's going to be a three-headed monster in the sense that oh, it's three people sharing the carries. I could see a world where, by the, once they get into a groove of things, somebody's the lead back, then you've got your spell back, and then you have like a goal line and a short yardage situation back. 
I could see that. And when and that's just what it is going forward. But I, I don't that's the best case scenario for a three person, you know, lion's share of these carries, where it's literally one person getting the most of it, somebody, you know, being his understudy, and then if it's third and two and you're trying to keep a, keep a drive going, instead of running a QB sneak and maybe getting your quarterback hurt, you just hand it off to the short yards back. I mean, Doug, you've actually seen these sorts of position battles resolve a number of times over the years. And, like, it, how do they typically end up resolving? Because what they say in camp is not necessarily how things end up playing once they actually start giving guys the ball in games. Yeah, I – I don't know how – I mean, I think Stephen lays out a case for how three would work, right? That it can't be three sharing it. Yeah. And, but I will say just because what they did in 2018 with their running backs didn't work doesn't mean they won't do it again. Because yeah. I think Tony Alford doesn't think it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Even though, like J.K. Dobbins says, it didn't work. <laughs> it screwed me up. So, I mean, because another, another component of 2018 was – in 2017, they were had a running quarterback, and then 2008, and they were working together, JK and JT, in the zone read. And then 2018, the quarterback can't run; they're running RPOs, they're doing different blocking schemes. It's a completely different thing. It's not only that they were trying to share JK and Mike Weber; it was that they weren't used to the offense. So they've worked that out. They know what the offense is now. My my guess is that this will be that maybe the beginning of the season. Let's say the first month is. Working in Travion Henderson and figuring out which one of Master Teague and Mayan Williams is going to be the guy who sort of shares it with Travion when Travion is ready for a bigger role. And that that's what a three-person thing looks like in the first couple weeks. And then by the Indiana and Penn State games, Travion's first. And then the winner of the Mayan Williams-Master Teague battle maybe gets – Maybe they split series to series. Maybe that person gets every third series. I mean, in 18, it was Mike Weber one series, J.K. Dobbins the next. You know, like that, that's not what I would recommend, but I certainly think it could happen. And I just don't know that they are going to go like all in with Travion off the jump, which is, I don't know if I would go all in, but I would go a lot in with Travion. And as soon as I figured out that he could handle it, I would go with it. But as a reminder, I checked myself. Before I wrecked myself, J.K. Dobbins, 29 carries, 181 yards in the first game of his college career in 2017. Do you guys want to guess how many other games that year he had 20 carries? His freshman zero. Year? Zero. No. Uh, it's zero. Okay. I was maybe thinking the Big Ten Championship game, but that was probably like 18 or 19. It was 17 for 174 in the Big Ten Championship okay. game. Jesus, J.K. So, like – J.K. Dobbins went nuts because Mike Weber was hurt, and then they still, like week five against Rutgers, Mike Weber had more carries than J.K. Dobbins. Week six against uh, Maryland, Mike Weber had more carries. Week seven against Nebraska, Mike Weber had more carries. Like Mike Weber, like the middle of the year, and some of it was, you know, like they got big leads, but like J.K. Dobbins like tore people up in his first game, and then when the old guy came back, they were like, oh, let's share it. That was in 2017. That wasn't even in 2018 when we were like, what are they doing? That was then when J.K. Dobbins was like, was ready. He proved he was ready. And as soon as Mike Weber, who in 2016 was so good, they made Curtis Samuel play two positions because they couldn't rely on Mike Weber to be the running back against Michigan. But they were like, like Master Teague is more established than Mike Weber was. Master Teague in 20, what years? 2021 is more established than Mike Weber was 
in 2017. And they, they gave Mike Weber lots of chances. So, and it's Tony Alford making those decisions. And Tony Alford's like a father to J.K. Dobbs. And he still, what? like, wouldn't give him the job. He said, no, so, son. <laughs> so, like, he's – I don't – like, I don't know how much – now, J.K. Dobbins still ran for almost 1,400 yards that year, but he did it on, like, most games on, like, 14 carries, whatever, and Mike Weber's getting 9, 12, 11, when clearly J.K.'s the better running back. So, I think – I want to talk about that because I, I wonder if it – because it is some of the same coaches, it can frame what could happen this year because – at the time, Doug, when you look at that 2017, did it feel like they were doing that with Mike Weber? You were mentioning those those car, those carries midseason. Did that feel like that was a case of a team trying to get that guy going, trying to get Mike Weber going? Because then you mentioned the other stat, which is you come back for the Big Ten championship game and J.K. gets to run wild again. So I think it was maybe two things. So like as you said, Big Ten championship game and the bowl game against USC – J.K. Dobbins, 30 carries, Mike Weber, nine. So then it came down to it. It was like, oh, no, we'll run the guy who's far better. People debated. You will find people who thought Mike Weber was a better running back than J.K. Dobbins at the time. There was still a debate. It blew my mind at the time. It blows my mind now that people ever thought that. But part of it, I think, was trying to make get Mike Weber ready. But I also think part of it was like trying not to wear a freshman down so that they wanted J.K. Dobbins when they needed J.K. Dobbins he was fresh enough to run for 174 yards on 17 carries in the Big Ten Championship game. And maybe they think, and not erroneously, that the fact that he only had against Rutgers, Maryland, Nebraska, Penn State, Iowa, in the middle of the year, his carries were 6, 13, 12, 13, 6. And I think if you ask Tony Alford, did that limiting J.K.'s carries like that, did that help him run for 174 yards in the Big Ten Championship game? I'm sure his answer would be yes. So I think they might think they need Trevion Henderson to beat Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Alabama. And the way mm-hmm. to have Trevion Henderson beat Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Alabama is to not run him into the ground against Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Akron. and everybody else, which might mean, which might crack the door. Now, again, J.K. still ran for 13-plus in that year. Trevion might run for 1,000. But it might crack the door for Mayan or Master to really show, Master show again, Mayan show for the first time, what they can do, really establish a role. And depending how it goes, maybe Master Teague or Mayan Williams, Williams runs for 850 and Travion Henderson runs for 770. And that's how the running backs work out this year. What did Dobbins do in the Rose Bowl against USC? Do you have that in front Cotton of you? Cotton Bowl against USC it was a weird game. 13 for 39. Like oh, not, okay. it was like a weird but- game. Okay. They dominated yeah. it like USC defensively. They they yeah. kind of clearly won the game, but but Weber did nothing. Five for eighteen. But my point I, being that of that season, at three hundred and fifty of those yards, a quarter of his season came in two games. Correct. Which I mean, even though it's not completely the same, but the idea of a quarter of his yards came in two games. I mean, that's what Trey Sermon was last year. Right. But some of that is because he started. He finally started running like he knew how to play running back. But also to the point of. That's what happened, and they, you know, however they got there, they got there. But I do think that 2017, the rushing attempt breakdown makes sense there because 
as much as it was a series of series thing, J.K. Dobbins still had 194 attempts to Mike Weber's 101. So there's still 90 more attempts for J.K. And I'm, a bulk of that was in what, game one. But I think it might play out similar this year for Travion Henderson, where it is kind of close. And then as you start to ramp things up, especially after that bye week, that's when you see, you know, if Travion's able to take over the job the way I think we all think he will, that's when you start to see the separation where all of a sudden Travion's getting it 17 times to – whoever the backup is seven or eight times. Yeah, actually for Trey, it was more like 50% of his production came in two yeah. games, not, not, not yeah. 25%. Yeah, fair. We all marked down who we thought was going to take the first snap of the season, right? I think Doug and I said Teague, and did you say Williams, Stephen? Yes, Teague I also? think I said Mayan. How fluid do you guys feel like this running back – that sort of status could be. I know we're really kind of getting into speculation there, but I, the way I guess I have seen it all along is that Kevin Wilson said something interesting today. I'll get, it, I'll get around to this. Uh, I'm saying this on uh, Friday as we're recording this. I asked him today about Mayan Williams. Like, what are you guys seeing from him? I know fans were interested, were, got you know, excited about 14 snaps last year, or more to the point, like four of those snaps late in the season. What are you guys seeing, like, behind the scenes, practice workouts? What's keeping him, like, in such a good position, seemingly in a good position? And he completely shifted immediately to saying, like, well, I think he's a guy that will – I think he – I suspect that he's a guy who's going to do a lot better the more we give him the ball. Like, he's a guy – and I, I think there's a lot of running backs who are like this, although I asked Wilson that, and he kind of dismissed it, said there's some guys who can just kind of come in cold and get right at it. But he, him saying that he thinks that Mayan Williams is a kind of guy – who might need that, like, you know, to get fed a lot and get to wear on a defense. And I think that's probably true of Master Teague, too. The best Master Teague I think we've seen has been him grinding away at guys. I'm just curious how we think that could play out. Like, is is any running back, or especially either of those two running backs, or maybe even throw Henderson into this mix, or Marcus Crowley if you want to, like, the way it's setting up right now, I don't know what that looks like. Who Who is going to get that opportunity to really, like, wear on a team for a long period of time, at least early in the season. My least favorite thing about this coaching staff when it comes to running backs right now is them consistently admitting the fact that you need to have a bell cow because it's a better system, but then trying to convince us and them that they, that two, a two running back system is better. Like his Tony Alford said some of the same things when we talked to him in the spring and as a former running back, yeah, it's easier to get into a groove when you're just the bell cow and you know, you're getting all that you're going to get this X amount of carries. You're not coming off the field every other you know, series. And I'm pretty sure he was saying that back when JK and Mike Weber were splitting series and yet they didn't go away from it. Mine Williams has 10 carries. <laughs> Mine Williams has 10 carries. Master Teague in his career has 256. So, and has twice been an all big 10 selection, which is what it is. But still. I will say this though. Once we questioned uh, Ryan Day about why Mayan Williams was ahead of uh, Master Teague and, you know, how they were repping drills and he went, don't make too big of a deal of it. The very next practice we went to, Master Teague was going first, which is, okay, fine. We're not, we won't make a big deal out of it anymore. And then when we went to practice Thursday, Mayan Williams was back being number one in every single drill they went through while Master Teague was second. Travion has since moved up to third, which I texted that day. So sign up for the text. The thing about like a guy needs needs to get into a game, it's like I it's fine in the Big Ten 
But we know it's not going to work if, like, Mayan Williams needs, like, three series against Oklahoma to, like, kind of figure it out while Spencer Rattler is dropping bombs on the Ohio State secondary and they're down 21 nothing as Mayan Williams kind of finds his way and gets into a groove. It's like – it's – that's – I don't know. It feels like a thing you say – that's what they say at, like – that's what they say about, like, Mo Ibrahim, right? That's what you say about, like, good exactly. but not great running backs yeah. at yeah. mediocre programs. Well, it takes a guy. You know who does it? Ezekiel Elliott is shot out of a cannon on the first carry. Mm. It's Ohio State. You're getting shot out of a cannon, guys. I'm not here for warm-up into the role, guys. So you know who's a shot out of a cannon guy? The freaking guy who's a five-star who they brought in who saved their running back room. Him. Him. So could you play him? Could you maybe play him? Could you just maybe play but they have to also find out like I do think they need to figure out in game settings against first team defenses who's better Mayan Williams or Master Teague and Master Teague has 25 times more big more college football carries but they have to figure that out because that guy because again not to hold two years old stuff against Master Teague but when Master Teague came in for J.K. Dobbins against Clemson in the playoff game he wasn't good enough it's like, oh, my, that's quite a difference. He's a, whatever, third-team All-Big Ten running back as a backup and ran for 700 yards. But now, in the moment, that's not good enough. There is quite a gap between J.K. and Master Teague. I think they would like the gap between their first number one running back and number two running back to not be gigantic while also hoping the number one running back is awesome. So, like, uh, uh, you know, I'll be wrong. If they want to win the national championship, Travion Henderson has to be their number one running back when it matters. Like, it just has to happen. And if it doesn't happen, they're not going to win the national championship. Because guess what? They're playing a rookie quarterback either way. And rookie quarterbacks take more time than rookie running backs. So that guy should be ready to go. He's got the feet. He's got the vision. He's got the burst. Let's go. Except, you know, J.K. Dobbins got 29 carries in his first game and didn't carry it more than 20 times the rest of the year. So if your answer is... Yes, we're working Trevion in, but we're going we're gonna, to, in the middle crap part of the schedule, we are not going to overwork Trevion Henderson against Rutgers, Maryland, Tulsa, Akron, whatever else, right? But when we need him against Penn State, he's going to go. Trevion's going to go. When we need him against Indiana, he's going to go. And then by the time we get to the Michigan game, the Big Ten Championship and the playoff, we are riding Trevion Henderson. That is what I think needs to happen and is what I think will happen. And how that translates statistically, depending how long they wait to unleash him, you know, maybe it doesn't translate statistically to a thousand yard season. But man, I just think they're full. And, and I don't actually think they're fooling themselves. I think they're just trying to talk it down, keep Trevion grounded, keep Mayan and Master invested because you are going to need them, right? You're going to need them. And it's not fun to get passed by a freshman. So, but I just, I just think we're fooling ourselves if we're going to like base anything on Mayan Williams 10 carries last year or really believing that Master Teague is a number one running back for a national championship team. I think we're fooling ourselves, man. I, I think there's some, I've mentioned this before, there's a, a faction of the texters, 614-350-3315, if you'd like to join that faction, um, or, or, or another faction of, of our texters, um, who think that we are anti-Mayan Williams, and that's not the case. I'm certainly not anti-Mayan Williams. I just see a better, a more direct correlation between Williams and Teague than I do either of those guys and what Trevian Henderson could be. And I thought last year, sort of prove the point of what you're talking about, Doug, 
was that I'm the one who has kind of stood up for Master Teague and pushed back on this idea that he was a, a you know holding a hostage back in some way last year because I think he was a productive running back when they needed him to be last year, and Trey Sermon was not. But what he wasn't was special, and then eventually Trey Sermon was special. And I think when special uh, presents itself, Ohio State will Ohio State's coaching staff I think has shown that they will give special the opportunity to happen. I, you could quibble that whether that that was happening in 2017 and 18. And I think you'd have a good example as to why Mike Weber kept getting the ball so much. That's almost the more not to relitigate that whole conversation, but watching how things happened in 2017, that to me isn't that weird. It's that in 2018 they kind of doubled down on it is the weird part. But you know, Dobbins got to run free in 2019. They let they didn't really have a choice, I guess because Master T was hurt, but once once Trey Sermon turned it on last year, they let him go. And I, I just think, I think, I, you're right that they have to figure out who between Teague and Williams pulls ahead, but I'm just pretty convinced that at some point the special locks in from Trevion Henderson. I agree with the philosophy of find someone who's good enough to get you through the season because you do play in the Big Ten and you're better than pretty much everybody in this conference and then let special take over in week 10 completely. So I'm just looking at the game logs of Bijan Robinson from last year, the guy that everybody in the Ohio State fan base won that Ohio State instead of Mayan Williams. It's like I, I yes, I'm, no, I'm not. Well, don't, don't say in the fan base in the in the Woody. No, right. Okay, don't you On say the coaching fan staff. Base. Yeah, right. right. They thought he was coming. So like, I, it's just it's odd to me. It's not odd to me. I, I get it. It's fun. Underdog stories are fun, right? Underdog stories are fun. And especially when it's the little meatball guy that, you know, you can, you can kind of squint and see yourself out there, like running between the tackles as a little guy, whatever. I mean, there's probably fans who do that. And he's from Ohio. So that probably yeah. plays some. Is that a cool name? But anyway, read off Bijan Robinson. Oh, it's not it's not a cooler name than Master Teague, though. I guess if name was an issue, then uh, a factor, then that wouldn't be the case. But, and I, I'm ahead. not sure it's a yeah. I don't know that it's a cooler name than Bijan Robinson. Robinson no, you're right. You're right. Um, I mean, Steel but, Chambers had the best running back name, and he's no true. longer there. But that, like, the general idea is just it's just the idea of like, why is Ohio State good? Like, people love recruiting rankings. They want them to finish with the number one class in the country. They want as many five stars as they can get. Mayan, if Bijan Robinson, who had come to Ohio State, which is what was supposed to happen, Mayan Williams would be at Iowa State right now. And it doesn't mean that Mayan Williams is not a good player. That's not what it means. But I don't know why people are falling in love with a guy with 10 carries when a five-star is here to save you. I just, it's a little strange to me. All right, let's do, but this is, this is the point of this. B. John Robinson, and at Texas last year, it was like old Ohio State stuff because Tom Herman was running the old Ohio State offense. Yeah. It wasn't really they had another running back. They just ran the quarterback every play. When they lost to Oklahoma in four overtimes, like in week three, Sam Ellinger, the quarterback, had 23 carries, and B. John Robinson had five, but that was the most of any tailback. But this is B. John Robinson's stats last year by game. Five for 38, four for 12, five for 17. So, like, nothing the first three games of the year. 12 for 55, 13 for 59, 12 for 113, 16 for 54, 9 for 172, 10 for 183. And his touchdowns all came in the last two games of the season. It wasn't instantaneous, but over the course of the year, 
they realized that they knew it at the start, but they knew what they had. They started leaning on him more and he started showing you what they could do. I think like that idea of if, if Trevion Henderson's first month looks maybe something like five, four, five with carries about like, man, they didn't really, like I thought Trevion Henderson would play more against Oregon. Wow. That's weird. And then once we get to October, it's more like 12, 14, 16, 11, 13. That might be what I come down on. And then when it gets to championship time, Michigan Big Ten championship game in the playoff, Bijan Rob, or not Bijan Rob, Trayvon Henderson's getting it 18 times a game and is running for 140 yards and giving him a chance to beat anybody in the country. That may, I could see three parts of his season. Very slow working in while they figure out whether it's Master or Mayan, but they're playing them both. Second part of the year, the middle part where he's sort of sharing the job with the winner of the Mayan master battle. And then third part of the year when it's go time where he's the dude. That actually is officially marking it down. That is my prediction for Trayvon Henderson's season. Now, I would get to part three more quickly than that. But I get it. And you don't want to put too much on a guy, especially a guy who didn't play high school football last year. So I understand you don't mm -hmm. want to put too much on him. And you, what you don't want, is Trayvon Henderson having 12 carries for 17 yards in the first playoff game because he is exhausted. So that's what matters. And Mayan Williams and Master Teague can get you through the Big Ten. So that is my official prediction. Three parts of the Trayvon Henderson season. But in the end, he's the dude, and he has to be the dude. I think Bijan Robinson's season turned around also, if I remember, when he tried to jump over that guy and got flipped up and landed on the crown of his head. So I think Ohio State might want to just like drop Trevor Henderson on his head at some point, maybe about a third of the way through the year and, and see if that like catapults him. maybe like a, a low flying helicopter and you just drop him out. He'll be wearing a helmet. He'll be fine. It's a rite of passage as Ohio State running back. You have to try to jump over somebody. Zeke did it habitually because he thought he was still running hurdles. And obviously Trey Sermon tried to jump over everybody over the planet at the end of last year. So yeah, I think that's, once you get to the Big Ten championship game, Trey has to try to jump over somebody, or regardless of what he does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Yeah, I think when Trey Sermon did it last year. He had like, he had he had grabbed the thing in Super Mario Brothers where you're yeah. just like you're you you go pale and now you can just you're invincible or whatever. So they were gonna let him do that. I think if Trevin Henderson comes out against Minnesota and tries to hurdle a guy, they might have some words for him. He, he can't do it. He can't do it to the Big Ten championship game. No, you gotta establish yourself first. So let's mark it down. Who is leading Ohio State in rushing yards in 2021? I am going to pick Trevion Henderson. And I, I agree with Doug. I think I see the season playing out pretty similarly. I, 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 I picked Teague to take the first carry against Minnesota. I think I probably still believe that. Um, although I think there could be – it might be Mayan Williams. There could be some kind of balance there. I just feel like at some point special wins out. I know that sounds like I'm taking the opposite um, argument that I did when we were talking about Quinn Ewers and the quarterbacks, but I think the context is different. This is a guy who was here in the spring. He's been building in a different way. And I also think that there is a bigger gap between his uh, between Henderson ceiling and the other running back ceiling than there is between Ewers ceiling and these other quarterback ceiling. I'll take Trevion as well. And I'll, I'll, I think he'll wind up with like right around a thousand yards. I was just doing a little math. If it's like, if he has like 30 yards a game in the first four games and like 60 yards a game in the middle four games. And then like the last eight games, he's kind of up around, you know, 
90 yards a game or whatever, right? You're, that's, that's kind of about where you're landing, that you're landing right in the 1,000-yard range. So, but he also, but he also, uh, he also might drop 210 on somebody. Again, he might drop 210 on Indiana on, on 14 carries, right, because he breaks two. So um, I'll, take, I'll take Trevion, and I, I will say I don't know who the – do you guys believe – what I've been saying about there has to be like a Mayan master winner that they are trying to determine that and that there needs to be that. Or do you think that's not the case? Cause I think it needs to be that, but I have no idea who's going to win. I think that. Yeah. Because it's just, it just seems more like it makes sense to only have two guys in the mix. Um, but I also am not, I, I, I would be okay. I could see a world where we get to the bye week and there's one guy who's leading the team in, in attempts. Another, maybe Mayan Williams is leading this team in attempts. Travion Henderson is leading this team in rushing yards because he's a, because he's awesome, and they just won't give him the ball more. But then Master Teague is leading them in touchdowns because he's just like always the guy they give it to in the goal line situation. This maybe sounds weird. I hope I I hope I convey this the right way. I don't know if there needs to be a clear winner to start the season, especially if they're trying to keep developing Trevion Henderson and they want to protect his workload or whatever. This offensive line is going to be pretty special, I think. And they're going to be able to run the ball regardless, probably especially against Minnesota, which was pretty bad last year. So I don't know that I think that someone has to win this job between those two in the next two weeks. I think that organically it's going to take care of itself over the course of a year. As Trevion Henderson ascends to number one, I think one of those guys will be the clear number two. No, that's what I mean, that the next month of the first month of the season will be that battle. Like if Travion maybe is the third running back in the first few games and they're using and that Mayan and Master are the first two backs and they're trying to figure out who's better between them. The other thing that we always do, because we have to do, and because nobody likes to talk about injuries, I mean, three running backs all getting through the season perfectly healthy without ever missing anything because of an injury. I mean, something always happens, unfortunately. Something happens and that things – I mean, exactly like last year. It was like, okay, I don't know who the running back's going to be. Doug doesn't think Trey Sermon's very good. It looks like it's Master Teague. Oh, Master Teague got hurt. What happened? Trey Sermon karate kicked nine people in the throat. Okay. Like it answered itself. And that's what – you know, sometimes a coach doesn't have to be that smart. It's like, well, we didn't know who to play, and then one one guy got hurt. So we played the other guy – and he ran for more yards than anybody in the history of Ohio State football. But they didn't pick Trey Sermon. They never picked him. They never picked him. They had to play him. And then it was like, oh, okay, I guess we'll play him now. So They didn't pick him. It's just the offensive line started bulldozing everybody. <laughs> they didn't pick him, but we also were arguing he wasn't the guy who should have been getting the ball up to that point, too, based on what we had seen him yeah. from the way he was playing. Yeah. So it was a weird year, man. It was, it was a weird year. And just put that in the barrel with the other weird things that happened. So, uh, Steven, who are you marking down? Yeah, I'm going to go Trayvon Henderson. And, and contrary to some of the things I've said earlier on this pod, I just think that sometime in these next six games, because right now they can hide it because we don't really see that much of practice. And outside of maybe a highlight reel or a vi- a photo they might put out we don't really get to see them do the running backs do much they can't hide it once we start playing football and I think sometime in these next six first six games it's just going to be too obvious if they just need to get Trayvon Henderson the ball you think it could happen like immediately I the Rutgers game is where it's interesting to me because by then you'll have two 
quality opponents having played, and then you've got two, you know, um, we're going to win the game by 70. And I think after that, by that Rutgers game, I think he might just start gradually taking over the job. And you see his carries go up and up and up and up. And then by the time we get to the real football games, it's he's getting the ball 20-plus times a game. I, I think what's interesting, too, I think this team is – I could see Ryan Day – maybe a little bit contrary to his nature, but not really because they've run the ball a lot the last two years. I mean, I could really see them being run forward early, like run heavy early. They, they run the ball more than we realize. Yeah. yeah. They are yeah. run forward already. Yeah. Like we, we forget it sometimes, but we'll, we will do a, whatever it is, ex- like exactly how we think this offense is going to work once the quarterback is decided. And we'll get into how many times a game we think they'll run it, how many times we think they'll throw it, what kinds of routes they're going to throw. We'll double back maybe on some of the offensive stats because, Nathan, as you said, we sort of already talked about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. We're not doing that again on this market down pod. But I think – and I don't think it's a market down pod, but it's a final deep dive on what we think the offense is going to look like. And I think it will remind everybody – I mean, I'm just double-checking – like just – Justin, Justin Fields' average game, like his first year, was like 17 of 25. I mean, yeah, it's, he, not, it's not the Big 12, man. He went over 25 twice, and it was literally the last two games of the season. So, like, that's – and that was like Justin Fields with a year of college football playing a little bit at Georgia. Like, he has yeah. more experience. He played more – you know, he had more experience coming into 2019 than anybody – than C.J. Stroud would have this year. So, I mean, it's a, it's a reminder about this offense – but again, it's interesting because we think that the best running back on the team or the Master Teague, the only guy among the quarterbacks or running backs who's ever played, who's going to be in the mix. Trevin Henderson's never played. Kyle McCord's never played. And CJ Stroud, Jack Miller, and Mayan Williams have barely played. And that's like the two guys who are going to handle the ball the most at quarterback and running back. So we don't have a handle on it yet. But they're going to have to go – with special to win the national title. They cannot safety their way to a national title. They can safety their way through the Big Ten, and that might be what they do. So Marcus Crowley and Evan Pryor did not really get any support in the texter voting. Sorry, guys. And there were no votes for other, which I assume would have just been somebody voting for one of the quarterbacks. So between Teague, Williams, and Anderson, you've got the guy who's been a two-time All-Big Ten backup, more or less, the guy who is the uh, f- segment of the fan base's darling right now, and then the five-star wonderkind who's coming up fast. Who did the Texters pick to lead Ohio State in rushing in 2021? Trevion. Yeah. And what was that? But percentage? maybe not overwhelming. Maybe barely over 50%. Second. Second Mayan. Yeah, but I think that's actually where it's close. Between Master and Mayan. That's let's go let's go more like fifty for Henderson, thirty-five for Mayan, and fifteen for Master is what my guess would be. Ooh, I'd go twenty-eight-twenty-three. It's even closer than that for second place, but Trevin Henderson was the runaway winner. Sixty-six percent of much? our textures wow. picked okay. Trevin Henderson to lead Ohio State in rushing in twenty twenty one. And then Williams and Teague are essentially tied. 17%, 16%. Mayan Williams got uh, three more votes to, to, to Master Teague. So That's essentially – Stephen was right, but they're close. Yeah, I mean, essentially tied. 
So uh, that was one of the results that surprised me. Again, not that not that Trevor Henderson didn't finish first, because I think people do believe in talent at the end of the day. But as people see the dynamics uh, that are playing out so far, that they think that um, that there wasn't more concern, maybe that the carries would go to the other guys, and that Henderson would, you know, he might lead this team in yards per carry, but does he get enough carries to lead the team in yards? I think he will. We right. all think he will, yeah. but will he get um, enough carries? Right. And I think it would be if, if, it, if there wasn't like, if Mayan Williams wasn't here, it was just master T right. I mean, part of the issue is, it's like, you're not even sure who your alternative is mm-hmm. if you don't believe in Henderson, which, which then you're like, well, I may as well vote for Henderson. Cause I don't even know if I'm supposed to vote, but maybe more people would vote for the guy who's not a true freshman. If you, if that was clear who that guy was, um, let me float one last thing on. you. I think, I am not a huge Master Teague guy. I think Master Teague is a good backup Big Ten running back, which is what he's been. I don't think he's a number one Big Ten running back. Yeah. I think it's – like if Travion Henderson wasn't here, I, I would buy Mayan Williams beating out Master Teague. But I feel like in the end, what Mayan Williams and Master Teague are competing to do is to back up Travion Henderson at the end of the year. And I think Master might be the better backup to Travion. But if you needed a number one between Mayan and Master, I might go Mayan. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? I agree. No, I agree with that. And it's because Master is almost like this diff change of pace running back because he's just this huge physical force. And when you're already tired and now you got to deal with this guy coming in between the tackles, that's when he's dangerous. And that's when he was dangerous in 2019. While with Mayan, he's just, I mean, he's a bowling ball. He's a JV, he's a junior varsity version of J.K. Dobbins. And since you're not the best version of that, you're just more of the same of what you might as well just keep Travion Henderson out there. I'm just not sure that master has enough wiggle for me to be a number one guy, but you don't need wiggle for number two. Kind of is mm-hmm. what you were saying, Stephen, just let him get in there and run people over and then go back to Trey Van Henderson and let him wiggle. And I think Mayan is a little more slippery, Like he's a bowling ball, but I think he's a little more slippery than master. So anyway, it'll be an interesting battle, but I do think that's part of what this first month will be is a battle between master and Mayan. Yeah. Again, it goes back to what I was saying. I think about defense to some extent, it's like they're going to say all the good things that all these guys are doing. But until we actually see them put them on the field and how those numbers, the snap numbers, the carry numbers settle out, that'll be the true indication of how they feel about these guys. And I'm uh, eager to see it. But we've still got a couple of weeks to go by, almost uh, almost three weeks still to go by before that happens. So just keep coming back to Buckeye Talk. Keep coming back to cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. Keep uh, signing up for the text, 614-350-3315. As soon as we get intel on some of these things that are going to potentially come out of Saturday, things we could potentially learn early next week about the quarterback situation, about what's going on with Quinn Ewers. Like that's how we report those things first. It comes straight to our texters and we appreciate all of you who have signed up for that. We appreciate all of you who've been listening for Doug Lane Reese for Stephen means I'm Nathan Baird. That was Buckeye talk.